Hello, my name is Brent Dundor. I identify as cisgendered and I use he, him, his pronouns. I'm a commercial photographer in Minneapolis, Minnesota, a fine artist and activist, and I'm also the proud producer of theythemproject.org. They Them Project interviews non-binary individuals, offering a platform for them to be seen and heard, while informing and educating everyone on how words and actions affect the trans plus community. Hello, my name is Brent Dundor. I am the photographer and producer of the They Them Project, and I use he, him, his pronouns. My name is Elaine Bruni. I am a retired educator. I am the board chair of Metro Trans Umbrella Group in St. Louis, Missouri. My pronouns are they, them. Thank you so much for having me in uh, St. Louis, Alton. We're actually in Alton, right? Right. Um, and thank you for sharing your pronouns with me. I, I, I just messaged you this morning. <laughs> so <laughs> this is all pretty uh, spur of the moment and I'm, I'm excited to, to speak with you. Um, Elaine, I explained before each interview that I started the project to challenge my own ignorance on gender and educate myself better about trans and non-binary people. Um, now I interview those who currently or previously use gender non-conforming pronouns with hope that people in the community can relate to those being interviewed and so that individuals can hear the questions and answers allowing them to better understand um, trans and non-binary people as well. Um, I have three things to ask you before we get started with the regular format. Okay. Do you have any questions for me before we get started? Not right now, but I, I feel like uh, it's exciting for me that you've challenged yourself to find out more about non-binary folks, and you're an amazing ally to do this. Thank you so much. Um, and we, get, we, can, we can go more in depth with any questions you have or that, I, that I'm asking about. Um, I, I try to make this more of a conversation now than just a okay, Q&A. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Um, do you have any goals for doing this project? Why are you doing it? I think it's really important for younger people to have a possibility model. And I'm an older person, and when I was young, I didn't, I didn't know that there was something different than being male or female. And I didn't have a possibility model until I was way, way older. And it's really nice to be able to have a reflection of what you may want to see yourself as in the future. Okay. I'm sure we'll get more into all of that too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and then I always give people uh, time to promote themselves or promote organizations. And I usually, I've always done that at the end of the interview, but this time around, I wanna try it at the beginning and just see what happens. And then, so that'll, that'll lead into the regular questions that I ask. But um, you said that you are from Trans Umbrella? Met Metro Trans Umbrella Group, okay. abbreviated as MTUG. Okay. We are a uh, social, emotional, positive space. We have support groups that support trans and gender non-binary human adults, 18 and older. And we have uh, social activities that we hold in safe spaces for trans and gender non-binary folks who may be kind of afraid to go to a bar or another social activity because of some of the, un some of the pressures of other people. 
So it's a great organization. It's a grassroots organization. Started five years ago. We've grown from two support groups to, I think we currently have eight and nine, two more that are getting started. So tell me again, when you became part of the organization and if you said when it started, did you say five years ago? Five years ago, 2013. Okay. Um, and I, I might just be repeating what you just said, but I, I, I actually do want to understand and make That's sure everyone fine. else does too. Um, so uh, did you say like an average of how many people that it helps? Is it something that people just come to and meet so, other people or is it? So I, th I think people find us on Facebook or on the internet that are looking for support. We, we have some folks that, you know, see counselor that the counselor may suggest some of our support groups or one you know for for their clients to go to so we have peer-led support groups and it's an opportunity for trans and gender non-binary folks to uh, find peers that are like them and kind of problem solve and work through some issues they may have because it's not always comfortable. Why is it only for adults or people that are 18 and older? There are other youth, there are youth organizations around and uh, we started for adults and we are just, we've just expanded tremendously in five years. And it's not, it's not within our scope to deal with folks that are not adults. There are okay. other organizations for that. Um, is it connected to other organizations? Is it like, is, I, I, I lived in Los Angeles for a little while and it, the Gay and Lesbian Center there is so big. Um, are there other organizations that you work with or that you are actually like? So, so MTUG works with PROMO, which is the advocacy group in the state of Missouri. They work with legislators, they work through, throughout the state educating folks about LGBTQ issues across the state. They have a person that is in uh, Jefferson City, the capital of Missouri, during the legislative session and meets with legislators regarding bills and issues that may affect LGBTQ folks. So we work a lot with PROMO. We work with the uh, Pride organization, which uh, has the Pride Festival in June. They also have a Pride Center. So we use their space and work with them a bit also. So that's what's, that's what, so in Minnesota, we have an organization called Outfront. And it sounds like they are like promo, but we do not have a gay and lesbian center. Um, and it, that's, a, that's a, again, coming from Los Angeles and seeing what that can do for, for communities is, is a lot. <laughs> right. So pride organization that does exist. Pride, pride is actually happening this weekend, just this like weekend, here in St. Right, Louis. Right. Um, I'm, I'm here. I, I guess I can say a little bit that I'm, I'm here in Alton, which is right outside of St. Louis for a big shoot that I have. And that's why I'm not back in Minnesota to do they, them stuff. Coming from Los Angeles, I saw how big the gay and lesbian center, what they can actually do for a community. But okay. So in Minnesota, we do have the pride organization, but they do not do anything through like an actual, like they don't have a building that you go to for, for help for things. 
Right. We we used to have an LGBT center here, and it closed in early 2014. And for a few years, there was not a center. And Pride has storage space and office space and a building, and they felt like they needed to open a space for LGBTQ folks to have resources. There's a library there. So we utilize their space frequently. And uh, it's, been, it's been a great uh, space for us to use. We just recently had some folks donate a house to MTUG wow. that we use for office space and for some of our support groups. But it's not as large as the pride spaces, so we use that on occasion too. Is there anything else that we should talk about with MTUG um, or that you feel I should ask so that you can talk about it? So I think it's important to know that MTUG is grassroots and mostly volunteer. We have a part-time paid executive director and a part-time paid finance person and a part-time paid social worker that works with our support group facilitators and our support groups. So it's a lot of volunteer work. Yep. And uh, it gives the opportunity um, for folks to develop leadership capacity. And it gives the opportunity to engage folks in support groups and social activities. And that's a lifesaver, I think, for many adults. Now, something else that I, that I did find out, um, when I was doing research, about organizations near St. Louis um, that are trans or non-binary specific. Um, I also found out some sad news about your community here and certain losses that you had. Are you willing to uh, say anything about those and possibly how organizations like MTUG can help people in those situations? Yeah, so, um... So first I want to say MTUG is the only organization of its kind in, in this area, strictly trans and gender non-binary, and I don't know where you would go to find your next specifically focused nonprofit like we are. Um, we lost two folks within the last week and a half. One of the individuals was um, a gender non-binary person who went to support groups and facilitated support groups and was just a really, really positive force for MTUG. And unfortunately, they lost their life and never knew how much that individual was suffering. They were always positive and always a great role model and, you know, just, you know, reached out to do everything they could to help MTUG. Uh, we, when we got the house, we did a couple months after we got it, we did an Ikea shopping trip. And this individual took some time and drew uh, pictures on the computer of all the rooms almost to scale with all the furniture from Ikea and where it would fit and it was just amazing and it was 
it was really, really wonderful, and it was really sad to lose that person. The other person that we lost uh, was a homeless trans woman who was utilizing some of our resources, but we don't have enough. We don't have, uh, we don't have the resources that we need uh, for homeless folks. Um, it's very lacking in the St. Louis area. And she had stayed in a park and was beat up on occasion several months before she passed. She um, was just living on the streets. And it was very sad and uh, both deaths were very heartbreaking for our organization. Um, I'm really sorry to hear those losses and it is, it is um it's it's hard to have that come right before pride when people are trying to be happy right um from what i have seen and tell me if i'm wrong about this research but because it, it was mostly on the in the car right on the way here but there's actually like there was a memorial garden created so we have the transgender memorial garden the first one and i think still the only one in the united states and um, our organization acquired the land from the city. Um, we don't own it, the city is letting us use it. We are in the process of working with the city for acquisition. It is an amazing gathering space, very peaceful and managed by the Transgender Memorial Garden Committee, which is part of NTUG. And, uh, it's just a really wonderful space. We did have a memorial for one individual last Monday, and we'll have another memorial this Monday. Okay. Yeah, I think I also read that it was come uh, come celebrate the life after Pride. Or after, Correct. After, yeah. Correct. Well, I think it's important to end on a note of how MTUG helps people in those situations. Um, maybe you can share any stories uh, or a story that uh, that it has helped. Well, I'll tell you about me. MTUG has helped me. Thank you. Um, it provided social, emotional, positive space for me. Uh, when I retired, I wanted to give back to the community. I volunteered at the LGBT Center for a while before it died and met Sayer and started getting involved and in going to MTUG activities and... And you met Sayer, so let's see who so Sayer, Sayer is. So Sayer is, I'm sorry, Sayer is the executive director and one of the folks that started MTUG. And uh, it was just a welcoming space. It's um, very intergenerational. We have young folks, we have older folks, we have folks in the middle. So it was a really comfortable space and I got to see younger folks that I felt were a reflection of me. So going through, as I grew older, going through the LGBT community, uh, things were focused on sexuality, not gender, and I was not a femme lesbian and I was not a butch lesbian. So I really didn't fit with those pictures that folks have of other people. And I began to meet folks at MTUG that were gender non-binary. And, you know, I just had that reflection of myself through them. 
And I also from, so, so that was really amazing to me. And I had that aha moment, that's where I fit, that's who I am. And because of my background in education, um, I have had lots of opportunity to use my leadership skills within MTUG and help lead the organization. And as much as the young folks were possibility models for me, I now see that I am a possibility model for them because they see an older human and they see what life may be like for them in the future. And I was at a conference in January and I was at an intergenerational workshop. And at the end of the workshop, a young person in their early 20s came up to me and thanked me for being a possibility model for them. And I, you know, it just took my breath away for a minute because I just hadn't, I, I just really hadn't thought about that. So I think it's really positive. Let's, let's, we'll get started with the regular questions. Okay. Um, and again, we can go back into MTUG and I'm sure that it's gonna have a lot of, a lot to do with your responses to most of these anyway, okay. so. Would there ever be a time that you would be upset if someone asked what pronouns you use? No, I think that's, that's a valid question. I, I think it's important. There are not enough people that care enough sometimes to ask that question. And I always ask that as the first question, because it's the thing that I, if, if there's only one thing that people can take away from this, at least in Minnesota, and I'm sure it's not too much different here, um, it's it, people get scared of asking that question, that it's going to offend somebody and that they, it, it might mean something bad, you know? Um, so everybody in this project has said, no, that's exactly what they want to be asked. Well, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think it's really helpful sometimes if if we get in the habit of when we introduce ourselves to other people, hi, my name's Elaine, I use they, them pronouns. And then that, I think, gives somebody else the comfort zone to say who they are. That's the, one of the first things I learned when interviewing, it was the first or second person, that, that's, that is what they taught me, and it's a, it's a good example. Um, how much responsibility do you think should be put on others to ask your pronouns or for you to do as you just said, to tell people your pronouns? That's a tough question because I think some of that relates to the, the group you're with, um, the group of people you're, you're with or interacting with, um, how comfortable you are, how much it really matters. I, you know, I think it's, everything's an education piece. So I think it's important to, to say that, but sometimes it doesn't happen. Um, so, so you're saying in certain spaces that it's easier for you to be able to tell your pronouns. Do you think that people should, in, in regular situations, in um, everyday situations in life, do you think that people should start asking people's pronouns? I, I think that could go either way. Yeah. I really do. Um, it, it's nice. It's nice to be recognized. And I think when you share yours first, I think that gives somebody the comfort to share theirs. So I think um, it's important. People, people have responded differently to that question. The last person that I interviewed actually said, um, 
in the way that only they could. <laughs> um, they were just like, um, it's not asking too much to ask someone their pronoun. It's just like asking someone's name. Right. And you're not, you're not being anything but a nice person by just doing that. So there's the resp- they actually said, I think responsibility is too strong of a word. So it, it kind of goes on that other end of what, what we're talking about here. Right. You said that you use they, them pronouns. Are there any instances where you currently use other pronouns? I've been a substitute teacher and administrator since I retired. And um, in the administrative role, I've tried to use they, them pronouns. And sometimes it works and sometimes people get it and sometimes they don't. And I've been called she, her, I've been called he, him. I'll answer as long as it's respectful, but they, them is more of a reflection of me. Um, was there ever a time that you personally have considered using other pronouns? Well, when I was younger, before I retired, I tried to fit into that she, her role model and didn't quite fit and used she, her pronouns. And then once I, and I didn't want to rock the boat, I guess. And once I retired and came into my own with MTUG, I'm all about they, them pronouns. And a funny story, about a year and a half ago, I was with my sister and I had explained to her, you know, about being gender non-binary probably a few months before. and. We were sitting with some family or friends and all of a sudden she had that aha moment. She looked at me and she said, what pronouns do you use? And I said, they, them. You know, and that's just a, that's a, somebody saying, I see you. Mm-hmm. I validate who you are. So that was cool. I'm hoping that this project can put that thought into more people's minds. And uh, some people from the project have said that it's so much easier just to share this like on Facebook so that everyone can see that Uh and then start to think about that. Well, and I had a conversation this past weekend about being non-binary and explaining that to my granddaughter who is 14 years old and the fact that I use they, them pronouns. And about, I think she was processing that about five minutes later, she said, well, then I don't know that I should call you grandma. What should I call you? So I'm putting that on her for her to kind of work with that and come up with something. Um, Well, I want to ask a little bit more about that, if that's okay. Like, so um, I think that's that's the most respectful way to do it. Um, When I I recently did a talk at uh, Minnesota Department of Transportation through They Them Project, where uh, three people from the project came with me and I talked about how I started the project, why I'm doing it, and then they just answered questions about trans people in the workplace. And after it all ended, someone came up and they said, I just wanted to ask something off camera, because it was being recorded, mm-hmm. um, live through video and through a recording. The podcast is gonna be put on to here shortly, but. Um, That person said, when I'm with my grandkids, there's times where we're on the bus. There's been several times where they look at me, then they look at someone else, and they say, Grandma, and that's exactly what she said. She said, Grandma, is that person a boy or a girl? And she she came up to us as a group, 
mostly the, the people from the project. And they just, she just asked, what, what is the, the best response to that? Uh, and I think that those types of questions are, are good even uh, through this project to talk about. And in the situation that you're talking about, what is the, be what is the right response to that? Oh, that's a tough one. That really is because, you know, I, I think that young people need to know that it, it doesn't matter. You know, they're a human being and, you know, they're human. I don't, I don't know. Mm -hmm. They, you know, they would have to indicate whether they prefer mm -hmm. one or the other on the binary or whether they're they them in the middle right and uh everyone answered that question but the one that i think made sense to me personally it <laughs> was uh just to look at the person and to say well maybe we can ask them you're right and that yeah. gives them the chance to do it and i i think that in the same way we uh we uh told each other our pronouns that maybe the grandma in that situation could say her pronouns and then ask that person to show, to show a kid right. um, how that works. Right. But I think it's interesting that, you're, that, that you had an experience sim, somewhat like that, right. that you're choosing to, um, to let them figure it out. Right, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess I can also say, so we, we are here in this shoot location that I actually am doing this, this shoot for tomorrow, and we have people here who are with us. <laughs> we can hear sometimes a little laugh in the background, and um, uh, my, my next question might relate to the person that you have here with you. Okay, why don't you tell me who is here with you? Okay, my spouse, Chris, is with me, and um, we've been together for four years, and she has kind of seen me evolve through this process and she has always identified as a butch lesbian so she really didn't have this identity issue like I did and I always had to be concerned about my job and the people that I interacted with and you know education is very conservative sometimes so um, she's been very supportive and very uh, very great I mean I don't even know how to explain it it's mm -hmm. it's been wonderful you labeled Chris with uh, so this next question is me asking people to give um, to describe their gender separate from pronouns and the reason that I was bringing up Chris is because you you have given um, a definition to Chris in you you've said that several times to me today mm -hmm. um, I want to know how you describe your gender away from they them so uh, i'm gender non-binary i'm in the middle of the spectrum with a leaning towards the male side i like conservative clothing i like to wear khakis and a shirt and a tie uh, the last sub job that i did as an administrator i had known the principal of the building before um, when I was trying to be my female role way back when, before I retired. And so we met, he asked me to sub uh, for another administrator. We met and I said, I came into his office and we were talking about the aspect of the job. I said, I want you to know that I'm gonna come to work every day in khakis, a shirt and a tie. And he said, oh, I have no problem with that. 
I said, and I also want you to know that my pronouns are they, them. Oh, I really struggle with that. And he really did struggle with that, but we're working through it. I have the opportunity to go work for him again this fall. And so I'm hoping that that'll uh, be less of a struggle for him this year than it was. Mm -hmm. So in that situation, when someone in a professional role, I mean, did he literally say, I struggle with that? Oh, absolutely. He was very honest. Uh -huh. um, and. And I don't have a problem with that it, because it's a learning situation. And um, But he's, he's showing effort correct. is what makes that difference. Yes. If you're willing to, can you tell me more details about your gender journey and when you first started questioning your gender? So we can go back. Um, so I tell the story a lot when, I, when we're doing, we do some education pieces through MTUG. We do... Uh, trans 101s or gender non-binary where we talk to folks and educate them about trans and gender non-binary things and so one of the stories I use is when I was three years old and you know you're three years old we were I was playing with the neighbor boy up the street and then you know you have to go to the bathroom and at three it's tough so mom has to go with you so mom took him into the bathroom and uh, I was so mad because I was waiting out in the hall because he got to stand up to pee and I couldn't. And you know, that has a reflection about, I, I always thought that I was different growing up. You know, as a kid through middle school, through high school, through college, I just wasn't accepted, you know, within that female gender role. And I definitely, you know, way back then, you know, you couldn't, couldn't hang with the guys and and being trans was not a thing that was kind of thought about and uh, so it was you know it was always back in my subconscious I think and uh, I we had a neighborhood reunion a few weeks ago with about I guess about 10 or 15 folks that we all grew up and I shared that memory with him hmm. and he didn't you know he didn't remember that quite like I did but he did remember how difficult it was for me mm -hmm. to fit in, you know, as a young person. And um, I think that's important to just point out that that validates that it existed. Right. <laughs> it wasn't something that was just happening in your mind. Right, exactly. But he did validate that. So that was really, that was good to share that with him. So before I started this project, I didn't realize what names represented to people. And I like to ask, people um, to, to say what their name represents to them so that other people can hear about, um, about that so that they can understand why it is important. Uh, I want to know what Elaine represents to you. Have you, and j just go ahead and tell me everything about your name and anything uh, you've thought about with that. So we'll, we'll start before I was born. Um, I was named after my mom's aunt and my mom had a dream that, um, and her aunt had just had just passed away so my mom had a dream when she was pregnant that her aunt was handing her a baby girl and said name it after me name her after me so you know I've really kind of taken that on you know as my as my own I haven't I haven't really had any qualms about my name I'm just me and it's you know it's it's been it's been a strength I think for me um, we're not going to go to my middle name because I just can't stand that but but I think Elaine has been 
has been okay. I don't know if I did explain this now, but um, when again, when I started this project, I actually uh, was working with someone who I had known like a, a couple years before, and I knew them as uh, as a different name than what they introduced themselves as when I was when I was uh, interviewing them for this project, and I was just like, I was like, what's going on? I didn't get it, and I I was because back then I. Um, hardly knew what they them pronouns really represented in the first place. Um, but then when someone said that their name was different, I was just like, why are you saying, why are you, I didn't say it that way, but I was like, why are you telling me a different name than what I know your name is? And um, now I, I've learned how, the power of what a name represents to people. And there's people who do change their name. Um, right. And there's people that refer to a name that they were given at birth as their dead name. And I right. like for that, for everyone to be able to talk about that. Right. I, I just feel like my name is strong. It's always been me. Can you give an example of a time when someone validated your gender and how it made you feel? I think, I think when my sister, you know, um, asked what pronouns I used, I think that really validated me, you know, being non-binary. I, I think also maybe seven or eight months before that, I was having the conversation with my sister about being non-binary and my niece who's 23 was in the room and she was listening to the conversation and my niece said oh yeah mom you're a cisgender woman and I always knew Annie Lane was different <laughs> so I think that was pretty validating <laughs> um, and again I, I always try to give remark to to someone's answer just to Make sure everyone understands what you just said. It's it's the fact that um, that your you said your sister. Uh-huh. It's the fact that your sister gave that put that effort into it right. that really validated it for you. And I can see in your face what that meant to you. So. Right, and also the fact that my niece recognized that yeah. and always knew that I was different and was real accepting and open about it. But she was educated enough to talk about cisgendered and something else. <laughs> right. So that's, yeah, yeah. Um, has there been a time when someone invalidated your gender and how did that make you feel? Before I really discovered that, that there was non-binary and I would walk into a women's restroom and would get told oh hey you don't belong in here because short hair and you know so that that was non non-validating and you know that was like 30-ish years ago but then just recently the same thing happened at uh, a large event you know and I walked into the women's restroom and some woman said oh you don't belong here and I just got really angry um the restroom thing is a big issue. For someone who is having a hard time remembering pronouns, someone's name, gender definitions, what suggestions do you have for a person who wants to be able to do that? Be patient with yourself. Be respectful. And, and, and take that step back and think about it sometimes. And if you make a mistake, don't, don't overcorrect yourself and, and be real harsh on yourself. Just, you know move on, move through it, and correct yourself the next time. I like that answer. Um, it's easy to say the opposite, to mm -hmm. say, but it's, it's, 
um, you obviously have a, have a, a unique approach to a lot of stuff where you you give people time. <laughs> you have to, you know, you you have to educate as you go, and and not everybody's going to learn in you know a short period of time. Mm -hmm. It it takes it takes time for them to realize and to understand change. Yeah, the the only thing that I would add to that is that it it does take time to educate yourself so you don't do it again. Right. Um, it's not something that you can just any time that you meet someone who might be non-binary that you can experiment. You really have to think about this and um, to read about it and to practice it for it to make a change in your mind. Right, and you know, not all non-binary folks use they, them pronouns. Right. I asked a student last year at one point what pronouns they used because they presented as non-binary and I didn't want to get it wrong and they said she, her. Yeah. Well, I think, I think that's an interesting perspective to go from someone who is older to ask someone younger and um, t tell me any bit more that you can about that. It was, it's, it was a student that I had interacted with. We were in their guidance counselor's office. Um, they presented as non-binary. They, that's kind of the picture that I got from them. That's kind of the picture that they gave to their guidance counselor. We were in conversation and I, you know, just asked what pronouns they used because I didn't want to get it wrong when referring to that person, you know, outside they, of that situation. When you um, gave the example, I mean, was that person offended at all? Or they no, were they were not okay. offended whatsoever. Okay. okay. Yeah. How can people make the world a better place for trans and non-binary people? away from simply respecting their pronouns? Besides respecting their pronouns, I think that when, when folks are in situations where trans and non-binary folks are being disrespect, disrespected, I think they need to stand up and they, they need to let their voices be heard so that, uh, so that our allies have our backs, basically. I think that's really important. Yeah. I, th I um through the examples that I've been given, I, th I think that's like the best one. Absolutely. Um, to me, someone who is an ally is someone who helps in a situation that isn't easy. Correct. It, ta it takes an extra step and, a, and more work right. to, to do that. Yeah, instead of being, being silent, step up. Otherwise, you're a nice person. Right, exactly. <laughs> what advice do you have for youth who might be questioning their gender identity? Oh, seek resources. Um, there are, we have a, uh, we are very lucky here in St. Louis. We have the St. Louis Children's Hospital Gender Center, um, which is amazing because they work with young kids from very, very little all the way up. They'll start patients as old as 21 and stay with them until they're 25. So if if somebody, if your city has a place like that, um, I would seek seek help through that. Um, and, and an adult, you know, hopefully a parent will be supportive and ask, you know, ask your parent for some help. You know, there are organizations for uh, parents. There's Transparent. There's P Flag. Parents can go get some help to help guide their kids. And I think 
I think young people need to reach out so they're heard. What advice do you have for parents who may have children who are non-binary or trans? Transparent and PFLAG, absolutely. <laughs> I'm a total believer in those two organizations. Transparent started, I believe, here in St. Louis, and they have several other chapters around the country, and PFLAG um, has been going strong for a while and is really great. And those two organizations are very supportive for parents. Is there anything else you would like to say to anyone listening? I think it's really important that folks understand who they are and are able to be their authentic self, no matter how young or how old they are. I realized my authentic self when I was older, and I don't think there's ever an age limit on that, ever. And I think if you're concerned or have questions, you know, find a peer or a younger role model or an older role model, but it's never too late to be your authentic self. And I think I'm much happier and a much stronger individual because I've been able to be my authentic self. So last but not least for that, uh, where do people go if they want to gain more information about MTUG? You can find us on Facebook under Metro Trans Umbrella Group. You can also find us on the web on our website at stlmetrotrans.com. Elaine, thank you so much for driving from St. Louis to Alton and sharing your story. Remember, this project is created with the purpose of educating and informing, and that is why sharing it is so important. The only way the project can continue to grow and inform is if people like you, who are listening to this now, share each interview after they listen. Use the website theythemproject.org and the share links that are provided on the homepage and each person's interview profile. Share through your social media, letting people know what you learned in a specific interview and why they too should listen. This is how you can support the people you are listening to and the project itself. It's as easy as a click of a button. Thank you again, everyone, for listening.